didn't see that coming. <laughs> bringing it back, bringing it back. Um, but, yeah, but it, it's not as bad. I don't know if um, you guys remember, there was a time Pastor Shad walked up onto stage when he thought the song was over, and it wasn't. And he's just like, you know, try, it's not a huge stage, and he's just trying to take up like as little space as possible. And I think he felt like a rock star for like, you know, the last verse of that song. Um, so, yeah, thanks for singing in the light there for a second. Um, but anyway, there's been a lot of patience going around, right? There's been a lot of patience. We really need patience. Uh, there's a lot of patience demonstrated just last week. If you weren't here, uh, we were helping out with the VBS. We were doing some setup. And, um, you know, just a little bit before it was time for us to leave, I decided um, I tripped and I just kicked a stack of paint cans. Just straight on kicked it, tripped, kicked, is laying on the ground. It wasn't a good thing, right? And um, broke my toenail. Emily had to be very patient with me as I'm like limping around, you know, like I'm dramatic, okay? I'm, I'm dramatic. I'm not a strong man. I'm not tough. And, and uh, yeah, I, I had to be patient. She had to be patient. Yeah, I should probably be a patient for that. Uh, but then like right after that, right, Emily and I, we went over to my parents' house and my mom, Emily had to be patient with my mom and walk her through how to use an Excel spreadsheet. Um, and then right after that, you all, anyone that showed up on time, had to be patient with me as that, you know, we walked in with like two minutes to go. And uh, yeah, so thanks for being patient last week. And conveniently, last week was right in between our two walks about, two walks, two talks about patience. Um, and as part of our wisdom series, which we're wrapping up here soon, uh, last week, no, not last week, two weeks ago, that messes with me, that messes with me. Two weeks ago, we uh, talked about patience and discussed two people that you have to be patient with, and that's yourself and that's everybody else. Those are the two people that we talked about you need to be patient with, and uh, we looked at how we have to sacrifice our hot temper to be patient, we have to sacrifice our pride to be patient, because patient doesn't coexist in those two things, with those two things. Um, we also talked about how patient God is with us and with everyone else and how we need to reflect that and how we need to imitate that. So today, there's one more thing that I want you to be patient for. So one was others, two is yourself, and number three today, we're going to be talking about being patient for the Lord. And uh, I don't want you to think, not, not patient with him, it's different, not like we have to be patient with other people and we have to be patient with ourselves. It's not the same. He's not like an irritating child that you have to be patient. You have to be patient with a toddler, but you have to be patient for the Lord, and it's different. Um, and I think we're going to see that a little bit here as we look through three passages, technically four, but one's a supporting passage, so... Uh, we'll get into it. We'll pray, and then we'll open up to Psalm 40. <clears throat> Dear God, thanks for today. Thanks for the sun that you've given us and the heat, and um, just recently the rain that you've been giving us that, that we definitely need. Uh, thank you for the forge, just for letting us gather here every week. Thanks for the work that we were able to do last week for VBS, and I pray that that's such a blessing for those kids 
as they come in tomorrow. Um, let, it, let it make a huge difference. Let it make an eternal difference for you. And today I pray that we learn to be patient, that um, you know, we continue to be patient with ourselves and with others, but help us be patient as we wait on you, as we wait for the Lord. And um, just let me speak what you want spoken and let everyone to hear what you want heard. Thank you for your word. Amen. Um, so today we're going to be starting in Psalm 40. I want to take a look at three different passages to help us understand the importance of being patient for the Lord. <clears throat> and uh, what it looks like to be patient for the Lord. And also um, how we can do that best. So in each passage there's going to be two questions that I ask. And they're right there on the board. It's, what do we see? That's question one. What do we see? And the second question for every passage is, what do we have to do? Um, so those are the questions I want to ask. Again, starting in Psalm 40. We're going to read one through three. <clears throat> so sorry. Excuse me. Um, oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So some of us, right, took the whole patience thing to a whole nother level. I'm not going to say who. Um, <laughs> But this puzzle of all one color, right? Uh, that's disgusting. But it takes an incredible amount of patience. I don't, how many, does anyone know how many pieces this was? 650. I'm not saying who did it. I'm not saying who did it. But 650 pieces of the same color puzzle put together. That's patience. All right, now we're going to get into Psalm 40. Um, Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. So what do we see and what do we have to do with these three verses? What do we see and what do we have to do? Well, let's start with what we see. Um, uh, where is David when he, was, when he was waiting, when he was being patient for the Lord? Where was he? Yeah. Was he out in the wilderness getting chased by? Um, so I mean, I mean specifically to the passage. Like, yeah. But thank you. <laughs> no, specifically to the passage. Like, what, what are the words that we see here? Just shout it. Just Slimy pit. Mire. Do you know what a mire is? Because I didn't. Yeah, so, yeah, a, a mire, it's, it's a swamp, is what it is. But um, definition two of a mire is a state of distress that's difficult to get out of. And I thought that was really interesting. And I think in this context, both of them work there. Because we see that he's talking about this, the slimy pit, he's talking about the mud, he's talking about a swamp, but he's also in a position that he can't lift himself out of. He's in a, a state of distress that's difficult to get out of. And uh, I don't want to give you the wrong images. You know, so, like sometimes when you're waiting patiently, when you're waiting for the Lord, it's not glamorous. It's not going to be this awesome thing like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm just waiting. You know, I'm just patiently waiting. No, it's a swamp. It's sometimes a mire, a muddy, a slimy pit. I've been in the swamp. I think everybody probably has. And, I, you know, I've been in a scary place for a long time. When I was younger, and maybe you're in a swamp right now. Maybe you're in a mire right now, and it feels impossible to get out. And I wish I could tell you 
that this message is going to be a message of how to get out of the swamp, and that's not what the message is. It's not how to climb yourself out of the muddy pit, the slimy pit, but instead it's about waiting patiently in the swamp, in the mud, in the mire. And like, I feel like sometimes there's little mud puddles, right? Inconveniences. And, and you step in it and you're like, ah, oh, wow, this is really inconvenient, but all you have to do is clean your shoe. And other times, you're just straight up, like, in a pit. Like, the mud you're in might as well be the slimy pit mud Grand Canyon. And, like, you can't get out. Um, it reminded me of a movie that I used to watch all the time when I went to my grandma's house. Anyone ever see Homeward Bound? It's like two dogs, a cat. Holly likes that movie. Um, yeah. I uh, don't know. Probably the first one. Uh, I think it's called like Animal Rescue, I think. Homeward Bound Animal Rescue. But, um, and in this movie, though, there's a, there's a dog. His name is Shadow. He falls down into a muddy pit. And he climbs. He claws. He, he runs, he, he does everything in his strength to get out of this muddy pit, out of the slimy pit, but he couldn't. He couldn't do it on his own. His friends were up there, um, Chance and the other one, and, and they were like, come on, you can do this, you can do this, but he couldn't. There was nothing he could do. He could not get out of the slimy pit. And in fact, his effort to do it was only making things worse. As, as every time he tried, he was getting a little more tired. He was getting a little more slimy. He was getting a little more muddy, just scratching the muddy walls in vain, just sliding back down every time until he didn't have any energy to even try. And even though waiting patiently on the Lord could be applied in a whole lot of scenarios, I think it's important to note that it's not just a cute little saying, but rather a state of rawness. It's you sitting covered in filth nobody to help you and you can't get out on your own it's not wearing your cute little mask your cute little smile pretending everything is okay but instead it's waiting patiently on the Lord in your filth and I want you to know that waiting patiently doesn't necessarily or imply that you're waiting painlessly waiting patiently is not painless every time it doesn't mean you're waiting comfortably you can be full of sorrow and waiting patiently on the Lord so what do we, what do we have to do question two and it's super simple here and we see it in verse one what does it say it says I waited patiently for the Lord he turned to me and heard my cry he heard my cry so when we're in the pit what do we have to do we have to cry. We have to cry out to the Lord. We don't have to pretend everything's all good. You can cry. That's not a, you know, that's not a word of like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get all my stuff together and I'm going to sit down. I'm going to pray. No, he cried out to the Lord. When you're in the pit, you cry out to the Lord. Tell him how scared you are, how stuck you are, how frustrated you are. Cry out to him. Right where you are, right in your filth, right in the mud, cry out to him. 
Next passage we're going to read is in James 5. It's going to be two verses, 7 and 8. And I just, I love these two verses. I think it's such an awesome illustration um, of how we need to wait patiently. James 5, 7 and 8. It says, Be patient then, brothers and sisters, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, patiently waiting for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. So what do we see and what do we have to do here? We see the author is telling us to be patient, using farmers as an example, uh, and how they have to wait for the right time to harvest their crop, how they have to wait for the spring rains to come. Um, it also says that the Lord will return, and we don't know when, but we have to be patient until that day, just like a farmer is patient and waiting for his crops. Recently, I've been a little bit of a farmer myself, uh, Emily and I have gone out, we've been picking raspberries, uh, and we have a little garden that's producing um, things like cucumbers now, uh, and we had to be patient on that. Um, and it's really important not to pick your crops too early, or not to get discouraged with your crops for not producing fruit and be like, oh, whatever, and rip it up out of the ground. I was actually pretty concerned that we're going to have very, very little. It's been dry, but the garden's starting to produce crops. But you can't pick it early. Uh, very first thing I ever tried to grow, I think I was in high school at the time, was watermelon, and it was wildly unsuccessful. Uh, they're teeny tiny. I might have had one, maybe two watermelons grow on the vine. Uh, and let me show you a picture of this watermelon. Look at that thing. Is it not adorable? It is cute, right? And I think by the time I harvest it, it was like maybe, you know, it was way bigger. It was maybe twice that size, right? So like we're talking like it might have been a softball, the size of a softball. And I harvested it. It actually fell right off the vine. Um, but I picked it and it was teeny tiny. And there was no fruit in it at all. I cut it open, you know, like they're supposed to be pink. It was just like the void of color. Like there was nothing in it. Um, there was nothing to eat. It was, I mean, the whole thing was a flop. But being that small, it was never ready to be picked. It didn't serve its purpose. Similarly, likewise, we have a bunch of green tomatoes in our garden right now, tons of them. And uh, a really green tomato might look kind of tempting to pick. Um, you might think like, well, it's big enough. It's the size. It's the shape of a tomato. It looks like it might be juicy. And you know what? Maybe it's not even supposed to be red. Maybe it'll never turn red. There are tomatoes that don't, I'm pretty sure. I'm not a tomato professional, but that's what the internet said. Um, so like what happens though, if I go and I pick this totally green tomato that otherwise looks like a normal tomato? Well, it's not any good. There might be ways you can use it, but it's not going to be, you're not going to use it in the same way that you use a red tomato. And uh, interesting enough, that green tomato, if, you, if a tomato is very unripe, it's actually poisonous. 
not like severely poisoned. I don't want you to be afraid every time you go. Like, oh, this, this has poison in it. No, no, no. It's like, it's probably going to give you like a bad day, not like a bad week. Um, it just, a, just a little bit poisonous. But you have to be patient if you want the crop. So what do you have to do? That's the second question. What's the challenge here? Don't pick the fruit. Don't pick the crop that isn't ripe, that isn't ready to be harvested. But there's going to be a lot of things in your life that look like crops that are ready to be harvested. Don't take the counterfeit fruit. And what do I mean by that? Like, we're going to have trials, right? Until, until Jesus comes back, life's going to be hard. And you're going to spend time in the mud, in the mire. And along the way, while in these challenges, you're going to see what looks like a way out of that mud that isn't God's way out. You'll know it's not God's way out by knowing what God says, by being in his word. There's nothing necessarily wrong with alcohol in moderation if you're the right age. But people turn to alcohol thinking it's their answer to get out of the mud. People turn, they see, they see drugs and they're like, wow, that crop looks ready to be harvested and they take it and they think that's going to get them out of the situation they're in. They turn to abuse, to porn, adultery, prostitution. Maybe you have a bunch of debt and you see money that you could steal and you're like, you know what, that looks ready to be harvested. That looks like something that's going to get me out of this problem I have and you steal it. Some people turn to suicide. The world offers you fake fruit. That when you bite into it, you find that it's not good and that it's even poisonous. And when you come to your senses, you realize you're actually not where you were, but you're lower than where you were. Your shadow, trying to climb his way out of the pit, just getting worse and worse every time he tries to do it the wrong way. It never satisfies. I just learned what poison looks like last week. My friend was showing me. Um, this was not from last week, this picture here. But um, that's what poison can do. Poison looks to the untrained eye a lot like every other plant, if you ask me. It looks just like a leaf that would be totally safe to put your hands on and then rub your face. It looks very similar to that. But to the trained eye, you see the danger. You see the danger of one leaf that's kind of shiny with three leaves that grows in threes versus the other leaves that are maybe shiny, maybe grown in three. But one's very dangerous and the other one's not. While waiting for the Lord, while waiting for the spring rain, while waiting for the fall harvest, we have to be so careful not to harvest the wrong crop. Not to, in the waiting, be like, well, this is taking forever. I'm going to try this. I'm going to go over here. I'm going to try the poison. We have to be patient, just like the farmers are patient. Uh, 
This next one is different because instead of expressing how we need to be patient for the Lord, it shows how patient the Lord is for us, even in his plans. Second Peter 3, 9 through 10 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. What do we see and what do we have to do? I think sometimes when we're in the pit, when we're trying to wait patiently, it's easy to believe that God's being stagnant in our lives. I think, that's, I think it's really easy to think that. But here we see that he's not slow. What we perceive is not actually slowness. It's not that he doesn't care. It's that he cares so much. He's patient with me. He's patient with you. We already discussed, again, how we're, we're going to have to be patient until Jesus comes again. So, so why hasn't he come back? Like, why do I have to keep being patient? If the answer is for Jesus to come back, why didn't he just come back and fix this? Why do I have to keep being patient? It's not out of neglect or slowness. Like, it's so easy for us to think. But it's because God is being patient with us. Wanting everyone to turn to him. He wants to give the best chance, the greatest opportunity for everybody to turn to him. So what, do you, so, so what do we have to do? We saw that we have to cry out. When we're in the muddy pit, we have to cry out. We have to be patient and wait for the harvest season, not picking the fruit before it's ready or turning to the crops of the world. And lastly, we must be on watch. It says the day of the Lord will come like a thief. You don't know what day it's going to be. It's going to be like a thief. And Matthew 24, 42 says, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this. If the owner of the house had known at what time of the night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready. Because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Don't be surprised when Jesus returns. Be watching. Don't be like the man that lets his house get robbed. Because he didn't know when the thief was coming. Be watching. We need to keep watch. We have to wait patiently, and while we're waiting patiently, cry out to him. In just a second, we're going to split up into groups of three or four, and I have one discussion question for you, and that is, what do you need patience for right now? Until the Lord comes back, there's things we have to be patient for. What do you have to be patient for right now? And... Uh, and then you can pray for each other. And, and you can obviously pray for other things as well. But I want you to pray 
for each other to be patient for that thing that you have to be patient for right now until the Lord comes back. Let's pray. Dear God, thanks for your word. Thank you that you are coming back and that you're, you're not slow to act. You're not doing it out of slowness, but you're doing it out of patience. You're waiting out of patience. I pray that we would all turn to you, that we would trust you, we would love you. This life's hard. We get stuck in the mud. I pray in those times we can cry out to you. I pray that you hear us and lift us out of the mud. Put us on the rock. Give us a strong foundation. Help us not to get caught up into the ways of the world, ways that look so good, but leave us so low. Let us hold tight to what's true. Let us hold tight to you. Help us to be watching, to be on the lookout for your return. Amen.